Honestly, I could, I could give you a hundred ideas on helping the next gen win, just things that I've collected for the last 62 years of my life. But I want to give you one idea, and I want to pick it up from the psalm in the Old Testament, which is Psalm 78. Now, I brought my Bible up here, and I want you to look up here for a second more as an illustration. This is a Bible. It's a, um, it's a book, but some of you have never seen a Bible in the book form. You have version. You have Bible Hub, you have some other Bible gateway, but some of you have a book uh, called the Bible. Um, you know, this is my old Bible. And the reason that I brought it for illustration is when you open the center of your book and of your Bible, right in the center, you will be in the book of Psalms. It's not Palms, it's Psalms. <laughs> Psalm 78 is one of the longest Psalms in the Old Testament. Psalm 119 is the longest. And the reason that it's at the center of the Bible is you have a whole first half of this book that deals with ancient Old Testament history of Israel. The writer of this psalm, Psalm 78, his name is Asaph. And Asaph lived at the time of King David. David was the second king of Israel about a thousand years B.C. And he was in the court of King David. You can read this anywhere on Old Testament history. And Asaph's writing and the nugget that he's going to give us on providing a standard for living is right dead center in our Bibles, okay? Now, this is what he begins to say. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. He starts out at verse 1, and he says, Oh, my people, hear my teaching and listen to the words of my mouth, and I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. Now, I'm telling you today that I'm reading you something that's a thousand years old, written a thousand years B.C. And when he's talking about things from of old, he's referring to Israeli history, the history of the Jewish people, even a few hundred years before that. So he's going back 12, 13, 1400 B.C. That's where this is coming from. He says in the next phrase, he says, what uh, we're going to uh, tell you what we have heard, what we have known and what our fathers have told us. Let's stop right there for a second. I could stop right here and spend the rest of the message on this. What our fathers have told us. Now, some of you, half of you in this room grew up without a father. Half of our homes don't have men in them. And so you're sitting there thinking what our fathers have told us I didn't even have a father. My father wasn't around. The other half of you that had a father, a percentage of those fathers were silent men. Men are given to silence. Another talk later, but they were silent. They didn't teach you anything. They didn't tell you anything. You were on your own. And then some of you, another percentage, you are sitting here today actually unraveling what you heard your father say. That's why I say, I, I know what it was like at 43 years old when I went into my midlife crisis and I started thinking about what my father said and didn't say, and I had to do a lot of catch up in that. And that's where some of you are today. But the, Asaph was saying, we're going to tell you what we've heard and known and what our fathers have told us. And, and I, I don't want to press too heavy in on the men yet. But this is whether it's a father or mother or grandfather or grandmother. It's what have you known and what have you heard and what are you going to tell us? He says the next verse. 
He says, we will not hide them from their children and we will tell the next generation. The whole series, Helping the Next Generation Win, came out of this passage. Jeff Henderson had this idea to tell the next generation. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell them. Now, before I, sh- before I show you what Asaph told them, let me ask you a question. What's been told to you? What do you tell? Beyond the daily things of brush your teeth and, and say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, no, sir. Say please and thank you. You know, don't forget to say your prayers. What else was told to you or do you tell? And Asaph said, this is what our fathers have told us. And this is what we want to pass on to the next generation. He said, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord in his power and the wonders that he has done. I could almost stop right here on verse 5. Because what Asaph is recalling is Old Testament history. The history of the Jewish people. Read Psalm 78 tonight or tomorrow or this week. And he's referring back to the power and the wonders of God delivering the Jewish people out of Egypt, splitting the Red Sea, supplying food for them 40 years in the wilderness, splitting open the rocks and and giving gushing water, all pictures of Jesus Christ coming in the New Testament. Now, some of you might have been coming back to church and go, I don't believe that stuff. That's okay. You're on a journey. I'm on a journey. But this guy was saying, we're going to tell the next generation the power and the wonders and the deeds of God and what he's done in, in our past. And he said, that there's, for, there's a reason for this. He said that he would tell them that we would, next one, he says that, that he decreed statutes for Jacob and he established the law in Israel, which he commanded the forefathers to teach their children. So you see, you got two things going on here, helping the next generation. They're going to tell something. What are you telling the next generation? We're going to tell them about the deeds and the power and the wonders of God. And then he says, we're going to teach them. What are you teaching today? What have you been taught? What are you trying to be untaught and unlearned? And he says that we would teach the decrees and the the laws of God that he put down. And he said he decreed these things to teach so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and that they would in turn tell their children. Now, let me just say something here. If you're in the educational world, this is a beautiful thing that's going on in Psalm 78. There's four generations that are happening. What Asaph just identified was the grandparents that are telling parents, that are telling children, that are telling grandchildren the wonders and the power of God and the laws and the decrees that God has given his people. They were providing their children a standard for living, not just a standard of living. And the reason they told them and the reason they taught them is it said then they would. There's a result. There's a standard for living that in telling something and in teaching something, then they would do something. There's three things that he mentions in verse 7. He says that they would put their trust in God and not forget his deeds but would keep his commands. So when we're talking about a standard here, if we're going to help the next generation, here's what we want to do. Next, next slide. We want to help provide them a standard for living rather than a standard of living. 
And when we talk about this standard for living, he mentions three things, putting trust in God, not forgetting, and keeping his commands. Now, just think about it. Just those three things, okay? We're in a nation, right? We're in a country that says, in God we trust. Yeah, you have it on your money, in God we trust. You have it on your bumper sticker, in God we trust. I went to the DMV to get my license tag, and they asked me, do you want this banner, in God we trust? And I found myself standing there, and I said, uh, no, thank you. And I walked away, and I thought, what, what is that about? I mean, I'm a pastor in a local church. Why wouldn't I put in God we trust on my car? And it just made me wonder, like, what am I really trusting in? What are you trusting in? He said that they would put their trust in God and that they would not forget his deeds and that they would keep his commands. If you said, wow, what commands? Okay, look up here one more time at the middle of the book. He said, keep his commands. Here's half the book. Asaph's talking right here. In the first half of the book, he said that they would keep their commands. And you go, man, that's an awfully big book. What commands? I would suggest to us today, why don't we start with the first 10? Some of you know the first three or three of the 10. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, no other gods. No idols. Don't misuse my name in vain. Take 24 hours off every seven days and keep that holy. Remember to honor your father and your mother and stop spreading slander and false testimony against your neighbors and remember not to covet your neighbor's house, his wife, his things. He said that they would keep their commands. That's the first half of the book. But Jesus has come back here in the second half of the book and he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Jesus said, a new command I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. This is providing the next generation a standard for living, that we would put our trust in God, not forget his deeds, and that we would keep his commandments, that we would be lovers and students of a book where he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the way, and this is how it can work. That's providing a standard for living. Now, if give you a couple ideas as we wrap up here in helping the next generation I just want to give you three quick ideas. The first one, if you say, all right, I'm thinking I want to help the next generation. The very first thing I think for all of us to consider is to choose to help the next gen. Now, I want to stay on this for a minute because this is actually bigger than you think. Some of you have come into this place and you have lived the first half of your life or you have lived a decade, you have lived a period of time where it has been about you the most, right? It's been more of a self-centered type of world versus an other-centered. Today may be the day that you choose to help another generation more than you're focusing on yourself and your particular needs. Why? Because here's what I know about every man and every woman in this church and the churches all around is that you and I were made to receive and give love. We were never made to receive love and keep love. It's to receive it and give it. And you and I were made in the image of God to make a difference on the planet. And you and I will never make a difference on our own, all focused here. But the difference that we will make is when we turn toward others and we choose to help 
the next gen win. Here's a second idea. Not only choose to help, but write it down. Uh, some of you might be like me. I'm obsessive compulsive journaler. I write everything down. Uh, my wife says, I love you. I write that down. Because uh, I, I want to remember that. I don't want to forget it. My wife writes nothing down. You're probably not writing anything down now either. Uh, hurts my feelings. Um, some of you are sitting here thinking, man, you don't know me. You don't know my story. I don't, want, I don't have anything to write down. I had a seven leader seven table leader a couple of years ago. He was in his seventies. He didn't even think that he could lead a table of six or seven men talking about questions that mattered. And he was in his seventies. He goes, man, you don't know my story. You don't know my life. And then he started to recognize that he had learned a lot over life. And he, he ended up saying to me, he goes, Hey, I want you to use me as a good, bad example. <laughs> you know, some of you are sitting here as a really good, bad example. Uh, you know where half of your wisdom comes from? I know, I know some people have accused me of being wise. Um, you know where half of the wisdom comes from? By never repeating stupid mistakes I made in the first half of my life. And that's how it is for you. you it's like, I can tell you, do not do that. Write that down. And here's a couple of categories that may help you. In seven, in week five, when we ask, why am I here? We talk about the big five. I talk about my big five as a man, as a man, a husband, a father, a business guy, a church guy. These are five categories of the roles. Now, I recognize that half of the audience here, you're not married. You may not have kids, but you have life lessons that need to be written down. Things that you have learned for those that are coming behind you, whether you're a high schooler telling a middle schooler not what to do, whether you're in college working with a high schooler. You take some of these categories of what you're learning, even from your own family. If you don't have a family yet, there are things that you are learned, that you've learned from your family. Like, I will not repeat that in my family. Write that down. Pass that on to the next generation. And then the last one here is just be the vision. Be the vision. Let me explain. Be the example. Uh, be a model. Be the vision. I said to you at the top of this talk, that this year has been the hardest year of our, our lives, bar none. Uh, in April, we buried our second grandbaby uh, in two years. No child should bury a child. Uh, it's so out of order. It's so mixed up. Um, and when courage drowned and when he died, it brought so much death and devastation and destruction in and around my family. We're still in recovery. We're only six months out of this. And I'm sitting on the front porch with my wife just two or three weeks ago. And I, I, I feel like I was losing it in some way in my mind. It's like I was saying things to her one morning like, I, I don't know what the vision is. I don't know what I'm going to tell men from here on out. I don't know what the next vision is. I can't cast any compelling vision, was my comment to her. And I'll never forget it because she turned to me in that moment. She said, John, you don't need to tell anybody the vision. You just need to be the vision. 
You need to be the vision of a man who's trusting God when you're ready to cash it in and break faith with him. You need to be the man that's remembering all the things that God has done in the last 62 years of our life. You need to be the man that is continuing to follow God in his word, especially in this time. And some of you today just need to be the vision of trusting God, not yourself, of not forgetting all that he's done so far and just keeping your hope in him and keeping his word. If you love him, you'll keep his commands. You want to help the next gen? Choose to help, write it down, and be the vision. I could tell you 50 stories of this generational thing that I've seen. I've been doing this kind of work for 40 years, and I've heard hundreds of stories. But in the last couple of weeks, I heard a story of generations that I want you to hear about. I want to introduce you to my friends, Tim and Tony Strickland, their son Taylor, and their dog Axel, or the, the rear of their dog, Axel. <laughs> I met Tim um, years ago. We met over some man stuff. We both have a burden to be better men to help men become better husbands and fathers. So we connected years ago over stuff like that. And then I met his beautiful wife a couple of years ago. My wife and I did a marriage retreat and they came and I met Tony. And um, this is Taylor, their son. He's 23 here. And this is a couple that understood and understands what I just talked about the last 30 minutes. Uh, they told Taylor of God's power in his wonders. They taught Taylor the Bible, the commands. They walked it. He was the vision. They, they saw all this. And as a result of this, uh, next slide, Taylor in his group, this is Taylor, at 15 years old, Taylor is working with these sixth graders, these middle schoolers. Here's Tim Baker and EC. These are a couple of Strickland's buddies. So the three of them are now into the generation. You're tracking with me? Here's Tim and Tony. And they're pouring it into Taylor, who at 15 says, I'm going to help the next gen by helping guys behind me. He's in 10th grade helping sixth graders. You're following the story? So these guys, the sixth graders, grow up to be high schoolers, uh, looking like typical males on a beach looking for females. Um, you know, but these guys from sixth grade, man, it's amazing what happens when you get through puberty, isn't it? Look how handsome they are. Uh, these guys then went back and poured into another generation. So here's Tim and Tony, and they get Taylor. Taylor gets sixth graders. Those sixth graders grow up to 10th grade, and then they come back, and they're working with sixth graders. Isn't that amazing? Taylor's only 23 years old. Helping the next gen win. Well, two weeks ago, you said, how do you know this story, John? Well, two weeks ago, I get a call from Tim. One morning, he texts me. He says, call me. It's important. He doesn't text me that way. I called him immediately. And he said, my, my son Taylor has been killed. Two weeks ago, I was invited to do the memorial and the funeral of Taylor Allen Strickland, 23 years old, August 93 
to September of 2016. It's a story like I haven't seen in a long time. And when I was at the funeral, when I was at the memorial service, these guys, all from his sixth grade group, showed up to do eulogies to a 15-year-old middle school guy that got the vision to help the next gen win, who they grew up, and then they helped the next gen, and now they came back. I was sitting in a funeral service of over 300, 400 people celebrating the life and times of Taylor Allen Strickland, and he wasn't even 24 years old yet. You want to help the next gen win? Provide for them a standard for living rather than just improving the standard of living. Because here's what you're going to find when you choose to help, when you be the vision, when you write these things down, and you make a decision whether you're 15, 25, 35, 45, 85. Not only will you discover that you will help the next gen win, but you and I win in the process. Will you join us on the journey? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this series. Thank you for uh, just your word that told us many, many years ago to tell the generations to come the praises and the power and the wonders of you to talk about your law and keeping your commands. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. And thank you for raising up people like Tim and Tony Strickland that caught this vision, that poured into their son, who poured into other sons and other sons and other sons. Father, we thank you for this amazing story. So Lord, over the next few weeks, would you just change our minds about being other focused so that we can help the next gen win. In Jesus' name, amen.